nutrients. Herbal Fiber Blend also cleans the kidneys and liver, not just the colon. No other cleanser on the market compares to Herbal Fiber Blend. To buy Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson's Health at wholesale prices, call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844. Or go to gibsonshealth.com. Since 1974, over 30,000 healthier customers. You're listening to GZN, the Genesis Communications Radio Network. KCAA Loma Linda. Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. All right, welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. We're going back to Iraq today. We're looking at two related incidents in that country, which occurred in early 2006 in an area south of Baghdad, which was at the time labeled the Triangle of Death. Jim Frederick's with us. He's a contributing editor at Time Magazine, the author of the new book, Black Hearts. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks very much for having me. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to be in the United States Army in that part of the country four years ago, pre-surge. This was a hellhole of what magnitude? It was a hellhole of tremendous magnitude. Yeah, as you alluded to, in 2005 and 2006, this was before the surge, before counterinsurgency doctrine really took hold, before the Army or the military in general had a strategy that was working, the Triangle of Death is a 330-square-mile region south of Baghdad that is uh, cornered by three towns known as Mamadiyya, Yusufiyya, and Ludafiyya. And at that time, it was arguably the most dangerous place in the country and arguably its uh, most dangerous time. There was a battalion that was, a battalion's about 700 men, mm-hmm. and they were deployed to this region. It was arguably a place that at least two battalions, if not a brigade, which is about 3,000 men, should have been, men and women, should have been deployed to in order to hold down this area because it was a, it was the fault line between the Sunni-Shia civil war and it was also a really nasty hotbed of insurgent groups of every stripe who were ferrying guns, uh, bombs, money, and men into and out of Baghdad, this area south when this, of Baghdad. When this area, though, is identified with all of what you've just described, that it's a key point for the transfer of weapons and other materials, why does the Defense Department say, sure, one battalion, 700 people? I mean, that's all we can really afford to give it. Well, I think one of the bigger goals of Black Hearts, the book that I wrote, was to demonstrate what the tactical consequences of strategic failure actually is. When you have an administration and a defense department that says not only can you win a war with 100 to 150,000 troops, but you can hold that ground, a country of 25 to 30 million people, with that minimal amount of troops, if we started hearing about what does not enough boots on the ground mean? Well, you need to go back to the Triangle of Death and Bravo Company that was trying to hold down a, bra- a company's about 135 men. They were trying to hold down a region just themselves that probably a battalion should have. And so it's uh, to go back to Iraq at that time was before the surge and before counterinsurgency doctrine. And it you had an administration 
and a Pentagon that was more the administration that was convinced that this could be done and the mission could be accomplished with what is patently, manifestly, and obviously, in retrospect, not enough men. Absolutely. The first platoon of Bravo Company is related here. To the first battalion, as you said, about 700 men. How many people in a platoon for my non-military listeners? Sure. A platoon is authorized to have 39 or 40 men, but realistically, they operate. A platoon operates at any given time with about 35 men. Right. 30 five men. What did four people in First Platoon Bravo Company do on March the 12th, 2006? On March the 12th, 2006, four soldiers from First Platoon Bravo Company, 1st of the 502nd Infantry Regiment, 101st Airborne Division, slipped away from a remote checkpoint that they were occupying basically all by themselves. It was four of six soldiers who were posted alone at a remote checkpoint, slipped away from that checkpoint undetected. They traveled about 300 or 400 meters to a small isolated farmhouse, Iraqi farmhouse. They raped a 14-year-old Iraqi girl that some of them had scouted out to be perfectly blunt about it previously, knew that this girl was alone most of the day with just her father, her mother, and her younger sister. They raped this 14-year-old girl. They murdered her, her father, her younger sister, and her mother, and then they got back to their checkpoint before they were detected. This family, and there is a reason why this family, you've talked about part of it, they were scouted out. It was determined that this was a, a pretty likely group of people to be found at that time of the day, which makes this in some ways a particularly horrifying story because there is that answer to the question, why this family? Yeah, I make a case that for all of the war crimes that have been committed over so many wars, and war crimes are a fact of life, and even war crimes committed by U.S. troops over various wars through our history, that this one is particularly heinous because not the death tolls and numbers reached. You know, Milai was in excess of 500, and, and there have been massacres before. Even sure. Heath, it was 24. This one was particularly sickening and and stomach-churning because most war crimes, doesn't excuse them, are committed in what's called, you know, a fog of war sure. or a berserk state where a soldier will lose a comrade they will leave themselves, they will commit a horrific massacre in the immediate aftermath of a violent or loss event. This crime was particularly heinous because these soldiers sat around and they planned it in a cold and calculated and deliberative manner over the course of an entire afternoon, and then they executed it like a military operation, a completely unauthorized, illegal, of course. rogue military operation. But that's why it's so heinous. It's not the death toll reached, but because they sat around and they, they planned it. They were drinking for part of that time. Drunk or sober, did they expect to get away with this? Would anyone expect to get away with this? I think they definitely expected to get away with it. One of the reasons that they were able to expect that they got away with it was because this region was particularly violent, and it wasn't just insurgent violence against Americans. It was Iraqi, and Iraqi violence was rife, was widespread. This particular platoon and this particular company was routine for them to be fishing dead Iraqi bodies out of canals, to arrive at homes where people had been massacred, to overnight stumble upon people who had been executed and thrown into canals. And so it was 
not just very common, it was absolutely standard. And for was the fire, because they, they set this young woman after the rape, they set her body on fire. That attracted the attention of neighbors uh, so that when Iraqi soldiers got there, they, uh, these four or five or six of the people involved, said, well, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, the Sunnis again. They, they did this. And is it common to light your enemy on fire? Well, that's actually one of the incongruous things of the whole event. It, it's actually it's such a desecration. It was not very common for Iraqis to light Iraqis on fire. It was very common for the insurgents when they occasionally, very occasionally, got hold of an American body to burn it. So there were a couple of incongruous facts in retrospect that stood out. Number one was... Yeah, the body was burned, so that's enough for somebody to go, hmm. But still, it was so outrageous to think that American soldiers would have committed that. And then the second aspect was found at the scene were uh, empty shotgun shells, and right. shotguns is not shotguns are not a very common weapon among Iraqi farmers or insurgents or otherwise. However, not only did United States uh, soldiers use shotguns, but various uh, security forces, sure. you know, private contracting companies. So it was it was enough for somebody a witness to say, well, that's kind of odd. Exactly. We got to take we, we got to take a little a, sure. a little break, Jim. But just one uh, other question: that those incidents or finding the shotgun shells may have led some to say we need to investigate this further but did it really take private first class justin watt to say look uh i'm going through counseling i got to tell you something i mean if there had not been somebody like watt uh would we have ever gotten to the bottom of this no i don't think we ever would have i think it would have been uh, successfully covered up. And what I mean by cover-up, I mean of the perpetrators. I mean, there was no high-level cover-up whatsoever, but I think that the four soldiers would have successfully kept it to themselves. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Jim Frederick. He's the author of Black Heart, One Platoon's Descent into Madness in Iraq's Triangle of Death. We're going to talk about the four people who were prosecuted for this and uh, try to get a little sense of what it is, even in these terrible of circumstances. Why why is it that four people can sit together and plan a rape and multiple murder and so many of their colleagues going through so many of the same problems with so many explosive devices in the same area, but somehow they hold some measure of ethical sense together? We'll talk about Steve Green, the ringleader of all this and others, when we come back on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. Hi, I'm Aaron Michael Sanchez, and you can hear me every Thursday between 9 and 10 a.m. on The Morning Show doing the Entertainment Report. You know, before I did entertainment, I actually came from the world of home improvement and energy savings. And I can tell you, one of the best ways to get energy savings in your home is to replace your windows and doors. But what's been stopping you until now? Most likely the price of windows and doors. Don't worry, I've got the connection for you. Pick up a pen and paper, give this number a call. 562-244-8556. That's right, my friends, at Jack Villanueva's Triplet Windows and Doors are going to give you a fantastic deal. In fact, if you need to do a six-foot sliding glass door, they're going to do it for only $9.99. That's right, $9.99. So give them a call, 562-244-8556. Again, 562-244-8556. It's the last estimate you will ever need. 
Hey, guys, remember when you were 18 with boundless energy and the stamina to do anything you wanted, anytime? Wish you could relive your glory days and have the testosterone of your teenage years with the experience and skill you have today? Now you can with ProGene Daily Complex. This is Dr. Todd Karen from the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Testosterone levels decrease in men after the age of 20. It's a major cause of the aging process. The effects include lack of energy, decrease in muscle mass, increasing belly fat, and decreased sexual performance, all of which impact self esteem, confidence, and most importantly, overall quality of life. Kick your drive back into high gear with ProGene. Call 800-706-1485 today to get a full month absolutely free. No injections, no prescription needed. ProGene is an all-natural herbal supplement that helps men naturally produce more testosterone. Claim your free month supply now by calling 800-706-1485. That's 800-706-1485. Again, 706-1485. Shipping and processing fees apply. This is a special announcement to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 175,000 miles, with a vehicle service contract about to expire, or no automobile breakdown coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy and major car companies filing for bankruptcy, Automobile Coverage of America has announced a revolutionary low-cost coverage plan that is now available to the general public to save consumers thousands on auto repairs. Drivers with less than 175,000 miles will will not have to pay for a covered vehicle repair bill again out of their own pocket. Now, the repair bill is paid directly for you. This is the automobile breakdown coverage that is sweeping across the nation. That's a fraction of the cost that some dealerships are charging. Drivers who activate this coverage will also receive roadside assistance, towing, and car rental at no additional cost. Call today for a free five-minute quote and to see if you qualify. Number to call is 800-947-1618. 800-947-1618. Again, that's 800-947-1618. Need a job? Want to work in the mental health industry? If so, Valley Star Children and Family Services is hiring 30 new positions in San Bernardino. Valley Star Children and Family Services has positions for the county's new 14-bed crisis residential youth hostel for transition-age youth. Come to their job fair on Friday, July 6th, located at 780 East Gilbert Street in San Bernardino. There are three sessions at 9.15 a.m., 11 a.m., or 2 p.m. Valley Star is hiring 30 people, so come to the job fair Friday, July 6th. Bring your resume and dress to impress for job requirements, go to starsinc.com. That's starsinc.com. That's Valley Star Children and Family Services Job Fair, Friday, July 6th at their new facility, 780 Gilbert Street in San Bernardino. Go to starsinc.com for further information. That website again is starsinc.com for Valley Star Children and Family. See you at the job fair. How would you like free information to the secrets of growing your savings, protecting your assets, and making retirement a reality? The facts are, if you're tired of losing sleep and your hard-earned savings in paper-backed assets like stocks, then you should call for your free insider's guide to gold and silver investing with the Birch Gold Group. The free investor's kit will show you how gold and silver have outpaced the stock market 10 to 1 for the last five years. It will reveal how to invest wisely, what to look for, and which coins are right for you. Better yet, you can trust you'll be treated with honesty, courtesy, and respect as the Birch Gold Group holds an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Discover why some experts think gold and silver prices can still double in price. Call for your free information now. Call 800-966-3026. 800-966-3026. Call today. Your tomorrow may depend on it. 800-966-3026. 800-966-3026. Real talk for real people. Right here in the Inland Empire. We are 1050 AM KCAA. 
Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn is heard on the Genesis Communication Network. Here about Black Hearts, the new book by Jim Frederick, who also writes for Time Magazine. This is about this extraordinary war. It is a war crime that occurred in March, on March the 12th, 2006, and about the people who perpetrated it and what it says about war and what it says about why some people in the terror, most horrific of circumstances still maintain some level of connection to the ethical systems they had before they got into those positions. Steve Green, in a sense, the ringleader of all this, what do we know about his early life, uh, his pre-Army life? We know that he had a particularly dysfunctional and disastrous home life. His parents split up when he was very young, which in itself is not so extraordinary. But routinely throughout the trial that occurred just uh, last year, it was very clear, and it's almost an abomination of nature, that he never, or his mother never bonded with him, never came to love him. Um, very, very pervasive and perverse and very strange kind of, uh, you know, in the trial anyway, it was called a kind of child abuse, that right. uh, she would let him know that she never wanted him anyway, that she never loved him, which is just it seems sort of an alien concept in evolutionary structure that a mother would not love her son. He was a loner. He was uh, an outsider. He didn't really have very many friends. He got kicked out of the house at, I believe, age 14 and, you know, was a juvenile delinquent. He, uh, you know, got into, uh, he was uh, found guilty even as a minor of uh, drinking, of having uh, marijuana right. paraphernalia. Was this kind of a pre-trial diversion? In other words, they said, listen, maybe you want to get on the Army because then maybe you won't get in as much trouble because that happened during the Vietnam War all the time. Uh, well, I think it was more, no, he saw the Army as much a way out of his rut, but he also, you know, another disturbing aspect of his personality and his character, he was very much uh, a racist, a misanthrope, mm -hmm. a misogynist, uh, he was antisocial, and he very much saw the aftermath of 9-11 and the Iraq War and some of the Muslim extremism issues that the country is dealing with as, as a kind of race war or a kind of culture war. And he very much wanted to be a culture warrior. He yeah, wanted well, to be a he, race warrior. Yeah, and he talked about it a lot. Two months after the killing, but before there was a determination that he had been engaged in a crime, he was discharged. What kind of a discharge did he get? A fully honorable one or one of those general discharges under honorable conditions? What did he get? Why? Uh, he got a psychological discharge. Uh, he was chaptered out of the Army in what I think is called a uh, Chapter 15 now, yeah. but it was the thing that Corporal Klinger and MASH always tried to get exactly. as a psychological discharge. Uh, I believe that it, it, don't quote me on this, I think it's technically honorable, but you uh, forfeit your right to all kinds of benefits right. and, and whatnot. So he was discharged from the Army. He had already committed this crime, and less than two or three weeks later, again, he committed the crime and nobody was the wiser, nobody knew about nope. it, but what he did do a couple weeks after was uh, 
he threw a puppy off of a roof of one of these checkpoints, and his platoon sergeant either witnessed it or heard about it later, was deeply disturbed by yeah. this kind of antisocial behavior, sent him to a nearby base for psychological counseling, and that particular psychiatrist who interviewed him over um, you know, a series of weeks or so determined that he, in fact, had a pre-existing psychological condition known as either you know, antisocial disorder or uh, psychopathic disorder and began proceeding to to chapter him out of the army on a mental health condition the uh normally i i spent a couple of years editing a military law magazine and the laws changed but normally if you are discharged from the military for any branch of the military uh, they don't have any jurisdiction over you anymore which is why normally then civilian authorities get into the picture they take charge this is why the fbi got involved here right Right. This became a very complicated case because he had been discharged from the Army for reasons unrelated to the crime because the crime had not been determined or discovered yet. So he was back in the United States by May of 2006 living his life as a civilian. Uh, this private who heard about the crime second or third hand brought it to the attention of the authorities. The three soldiers who committed the crime were still in the Army, so they were under the jurisdiction of the military justice system. And it was very quickly that uh, the military investigation services realized that they had no jurisdiction over Stephen Green, as strange as that sounds. Right. So they alerted the uh, you know, the state's attorneys and alerted the FBI, who made a civilian arrest of Stephen Green in, I believe, July 2006. Yeah. So he's, he actually goes to trial in one of the district courts in Kentucky and is convicted, but no death penalty. There's a separate phase uh, in the federal system to determine whether there is certain circumstances exist for someone to be sentenced to death. The jurors did not vote for capital punishment. Why, why do you think not? Was there evidence introduced about either his home life or the terrible conditions in the triangle of death that might have, I wouldn't say justified, but might have made some of those jurors queasy about sending Stephen Green to death? Oh, absolutely. I think there were a couple of factors at play. I think it was very much the defense attorney's strategy to stage what you could call a trial within a trial. They presented tried to present to the best of their ability that the Army was negligent in letting Stephen Green in the Army in the first place, that the mm -hmm. Army was negligent for ignoring or not being able to recognize the warning signs that they had a psychopathic homicidal soldier in their ranks, that the Army was negligent for not properly equipping or supporting that unit or creating an environment where the crime could take place. They only got so far with this because, as the prosecution would frequently note in sidebars and whatnot, that there's sure. only one person on trial here. Of the Army's not on trial. And on top of that, the defense attorneys tried to present uh, Stevens home life and his childhood and his upbringing as a mitigating factor. The defense attorneys all but admitted that Stephen Green committed these crimes, sure. but they did their utmost to try to save Stephen Green from the death penalty, yeah. which they successfully did. The other, sorry. Yeah, the other two, James Barker, Paul Cortez, pleaded guilty. They were still in the military. Jesse Spielman, the fourth guy here, went to trial. Any idea why he went to trial? Did he think he had less culpability here? I don't know the psychological state of Jesse Spielman or his lawyers about why they contested the – why they pleaded innocent. I, I do think that they very clearly thought that Jesse Spielman uh, 
was less culpable, that he was more of a wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time type figure and and how the events went down. Uh, Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. The military panel that uh, heard the evidence clearly did not agree because they found him guilty and they sentenced him to... um, uh, to, I believe, life without parole, but it was then reduced to 90 years with parole, uh, which was the same that uh, Cortez and Barker ultimately got. Yeah. Anthony Uribe, what was his role? Uh, Tony Uribe was a squad leader. He uh, was a very charismatic and uh, very powerful figure within the platoon. Uh, he was on the quick response team when... The crime was reported by an Iraqi civilian. He went in there with another American squad, treated it like a crime scene, took the photos. He, uh, when he got back, he came through. Stephen Green actually confessed to him that very day, and uh, Tony Uribe decided that uh, the the best course for him was that Stephen Green should get himself out of the Army, but he wasn't going to report the crime. He wasn't going to report the crime. All right, we'll be back and talk more with Jim Frederick, the author of Black Hearts. Look at any parallels in World War II or Vietnam to what happened on that March afternoon. We'll be back on Culture Shock. Stop paying outrageous prices for prescription drugs. You can finally get prescription drugs at huge discounts. Now you can get the most popular drugs for cholesterol, high blood pressure, depression, diabetes, arthritis, and many more for up to 90% off. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices when you can get the same brand name drugs at the lowest price? Call Canada Drug Center today and get up to 90% off all the most popular brand name prescription drugs. You can't afford not to call us if you want prescription drugs at the lowest prices. Get the most popular drugs at huge savings from our Canadian pharmacy. It's the same pills at up to 90% off. Call now. 1-800-866-0336. No insurance? No problem. Prices are so low you do not need benefits or insurance to get all your prescriptions. Fast, easy, and affordable. Write this number down if lines are busy. 1-800-866-0336. That's 1-800-866-0336. Again, 1-800-866-0336. Hi, I'm Aaron Michael Sanchez, and you can hear me every Thursday between 9 and 10 a.m. on the morning show doing the entertainment report. You know, before I did entertainment, I actually came from the world of home improvement and energy savings. And I could tell you, one of the best ways to get energy savings in your home is to replace your windows and doors. But what's been stopping you until now? Most likely the price of windows and doors. Don't worry, I've got the connection for you. Pick up a pen and paper, give this number a call, 562-244-8556. That's right, my friends, at Jack Villanueva's Triplet Windows and Doors are going to give you a fantastic deal. In fact, if you need to do a six-foot sliding glass door, they're going to do it for only $9.99. That's right, $9.99. So give them a call, 562-244-8556. Again, 562-244-8556. It's the last estimate you will ever need. Hey, guys, remember when you were 18 with boundless energy and the stamina to do anything you wanted, anytime? Wish you could relive your glory days and have the testosterone of your teenage years with the experience and skill you have today? Now you can with ProGene Daily Complex. This is Dr. Todd Karen from the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Testosterone levels decrease in men after the age of 20. It's a major cause of the aging process. The effects include lack of energy, decrease in muscle mass, increasing belly fat, and decreased sexual performance, all of which impact self 
self-esteem, confidence, and most importantly, overall quality of life. Kick your drive back into high gear with ProGene. Call 800-706-1485 today to get a full month absolutely free. No injections, no prescription needed. ProGene is an all-natural herbal supplement that helps men naturally produce more testosterone. Claim your free month supply now by calling 800-706-1485. That's 800-706-1485. Again, 706-1485. Shipping and processing fees apply. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you could donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free, and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-287-0429. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. And it doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It'll be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those who need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. 1-800-287-0429. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get that free vacation voucher for donating. So call right now. 1-800-287-0429. That's 1-800-287-0429. 1-800-287-0429. There are many debt relief plans and scams out there. So if you find yourself with $10,000 or more in credit card debt and you just want the facts about legitimate debt relief solutions available to you, then call American Credit Card Solutions for a free informational kit that will tell you about your options in simple, easy-to-understand terminology. The kit is free, the shipping is free, and there is absolutely no sales pitch, just the facts. Sent directly to you in the mail, this This free informational kit can be mailed to you today so you can examine all the debt relief options available in the comfort of your home with no one pressuring you to make a quick decision. Call 800-880-1449 and ask for your free kit. That's 800-880-1449. This is a first-come, first-serve offer, and kits are limited. So call right now for your free debt informational kit. 800-880-1449. That's 800-880-1449. We can't be everything to everyone, or can we? The station that leaves no listener behind, AM 1050 KCAA. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. back on Culture Shocks with Jim Frederick here. He's the author of Black Hearts, writes also for Time Magazine. It's a story of a, a small group of soldiers who committed uh, what can only be characterized as war crimes, deliberate premeditated efforts to kill and rape uh, individuals in, an, in a family that had been selected by these five soldiers, uh, frankly, because they knew the patterns and they thought they could get away with these atrocities. Is there any parallel, Jim, between this and, say, the My Lai Massacre in Vietnam, led by one William Calley, who is now a Georgia used car dealer? There are some parallels. I would be reluctant to make too much of the parallels. I, there was recently a very good American Experience documentary uh, earlier this week, I believe, about the My Lai Massacre that interviewed members of that unit mm-hmm. for, I think, the first time. 
uh, ever, if not right. in a long time. I, I think the parallels go so far as there was uh, the initial period upon deployment of the soldiers being very optimistic about how they would be received by the locals or optimistic about uh, winning the hearts and minds and the, um, winning the culture war. And then I think that there, once they started taking losses, there was a very deep resentment and bitterness about, A, that you couldn't really see who was an insurgent and who wasn't, or in the case of Vietnam, you know, who was Viet Cong and who sure. wasn't. Uh, and then a very deep mistrust, even hatred, uh, very pervasive feelings of uh, disgust and disillusionment with Iraqi locals. Uh, those parallels, I think, are, are pretty firm between mm -hmm. the two stories. Beyond that, I think, you know, you, in Milai, it was even more problematic because the body count was just so high. Right. And there's very, very compelling evidence, regardless of what court cases might have determined, that, you know, there was a lieutenant involved, if not a captain involved. Yep. This was, you know, nobody involved in this crime was older than the age of 24 yep. or a rank more senior than specialist. Right. And, you know, there's very arguable that uh, the soldiers were being mismanaged and misled because usually you need a non-commissioned officer, a sergeant or senior sure. to be in charge of, of any soldiers whatsoever. And so they didn't have any leadership whatsoever no, as none. opposed to being led into a massacre by an officer. Yeah, and of course the other thing that, that happens, according to some, not all historians, is that there was in fact an effort by the Army to cover it up. And some people say even in one of his first uh, public roles, then later Secretary of State Colin Powell was actually involved in, in that cover-up. You say in this case there wasn't a cover-up by the Army, but the Army still failed to do some things that might have prevented this, including giving real command leadership to these guys who did commit the crime. Well, yeah, I, there was, I've determined no evidence whatsoever of anything that could be called a cover-up except insofar as we've already talked about Sergeant Tony Uribe when he heard about this from Stephen Green, who is not exactly a reliable um, you know, witness of to course. begin with, decided that he wasn't going to say anything about it. But in terms of on an officer level of people knowing about it and covering it up, there's, there's not only no evidence of that, it's very clear that once anybody at a platoon sergeant or a lieutenant or higher level first had some active, credible information that American soldiers might have been involved, moved very quickly. And it's right. to their credit that they did. You point out early in the book that uh, there are these kinds of crimes, rape in particular, that may take uh, place in any war. And, of course, we, we know in places like Africa today, rape is almost a strategic initiative on the part of militias in places like uh, the Congo and so on. You say, though, even back in World War II, these things occurred. How, how do we really know that people were engaged in, in rape and kind of got it covered up in the 1940s or in Korea well, that's a World War II historian prepared uh, a historical estimate of the likely number of rapes committed by U.S. soldiers in the European theater from, I believe, 1942 to 1945, or the end of the war. And those were based on the levels of rapes being reported in a civilian environment, uh, the number of 
uh, rapes being committed in other wartime situations and extrapolating off of that. And so he came to, because so there, there were a certain number of rapes investigated and prosecuted mm-hmm you know, by the U.S. Army, uh, several thousand. He then took the incidents that rapes are either investigated and not prosecuted or are completely underreported or non-reported by the victim herself and came up with an estimate of 18,000 rapes by U.S. soldiers in the European theater alone. In the European theater alone. Right. And, you know, this is, on the one hand, it's a shocking figure because you don't hear about that in any of the versions of the very many of the World War II histories or remembrances, Hollywood or otherwise, that we hear about. On the other hand, you know, it takes only a passing understanding of the role of rape in the history of warfare since the beginning of time to find that, in fact, not so surprising. And part of my intention of mentioning that was to demonstrate, in fact, that this crime was not an example of, you know, how heinous or ill-behaved the United States Army is today. It's actually the opposite of how well-behaved the United States Army is today, because even in comparison with year, with, with uh, wars gone by, it's a testament to the U.S. Army that how quickly they sniff out these crimes and how vigorously they uh, investigate them and Absolutely. how seriously they, they punish them. Absolutely. Now, when we take it, though, that uh, some people, including many people in the Middle East, uh, don't know anything about the history of this or what changes have been made, all they see is this kind of conduct. They hear about it. It's blogged about on all of the extremist sites, among other places. You became intrigued by this story in part because of an incident which is almost certainly tied to it. That was the release of a video in July of 2006 by an insurgent group claiming responsibility for the kidnapping, the torture, and the beheading of two soldiers from uh, Stephen Green's unit. Uh, this uh, was claimed to be retaliation for the rape and murders. Was the group that initially claimed credit for the beheadings, were they the ones actually responsible? Um, yes, likely. But if you look at the timing of the announcements when the abduction took place, and then when the same group, right immediately after the abduction, this group claimed responsibility for the crime and made a lot of crowing statements about how the infidel and the empire right. builder is cowering in, in his boots. There's no mention of Abir al-Janabi, the raped girl, in those early propaganda releases from this insurgent group that committed this crime. Now, that being said, once the United States Army came forward and said, I, we think that some American soldiers committed this crime. Only then did this insurgent group recut their video, you know, lay in a new soundtrack, find a picture of Stephen Green, and say, "Oh yeah, we knew it all along." You know, mm-hmm. the beer El Janabi. This is revenge. We are right. avenging the right. death of our sister Abir, which means it's circumstantial evidence. But to my mind, it just doesn't add up that insurgents would not avail themselves of propaganda opportunity immediately and would only do so after the U.S. Army came forward. To me, that means that they, they in fact, didn't know. It was a coincidence, and they capitalized on the propaganda value afterwards. A lot of propaganda value exists, at least in the common understanding of most Americans, that the average Iraqi, not a person who's already been is bound and determined to kill Americans, but there's a widespread belief that this kind of conduct, when it is reported, turns average people into anti-American insurgents. Do you think that happens a lot? We'll get into this in more detail. Is this something that happens frequently, or 
uh, or do we make too much of this? That they turn on the basis of this hearing stories like this? Oh, well, I mean, I think it certainly does not help the war effort, and it certainly is imperative on, upon us as a society and an army to make sure that we do not commit crimes. Um, that being said, I wouldn't know exactly the rate of self-radicalization because of hearing this sure. news. But I do think that that's all the more reason that it's even more incumbent upon us to make sure that you know a single private exactly. with a single rifle, more so than in any war in, is, in past history, can alter the effect of a war. Indeed. So We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you learned from talking to some of the survivors of the victim's family when we come back with Jim Frederick, author of Black Hearts, right here on Culture Shocks. This is a special announcement to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 175,000 miles with a vehicle service contract about to expire or no automobile breakdown coverage at all due to a decline in the economy and major car companies filing for bankruptcy. Automobile Coverage of America has announced a revolutionary low-cost coverage plan that is now available to the general public to save consumers thousands on auto repairs. Drivers with less than 175,000 miles will not have to pay for a covered vehicle repair bill again out of their own pocket. Now the repair bill is paid directly for you. This is the automobile breakdown coverage that is sweeping across the nation. That's a fraction of the cost that some dealerships are charging. Drivers who activate this coverage will also receive roadside assistance, towing, and car rental at no additional cost. Call today for a free five-minute quote and to see if you qualify. Number to call is 800-947-1618. 800-947-1618. Again, that's 800-947-1618. Need a job? Want to work in the mental health industry? If so, Valley Star Children and Family Services is hiring 30 new positions in San Bernardino. Valley Star Children and Family Services has positions for the county's new 14-bed crisis residential youth hostel for transition-age youth. Available positions include recovery counselors, program manager, therapists, vocational nurses, and more. Most require degree and license, but not all. So if you would like a new job working with young people at this brand new facility in San Bernardino, come to their job fair on Friday, July 6th, located at 7 East Gilbert Street in San Bernardino. There are three sessions at 9.15 a.m., 11 a.m., or 2 p.m. Valley Star is hiring 30 people, so come to the job fair Friday, July 6. Bring your resume and dress to impress. For job requirements, go to starsinc.com. That's starsinc.com. That's Valley Star Children and Family Services Job Fair, Friday, July 6, at their new facility, 780 Gilbert Street in San Bernardino. Go to starsinc.com for further information. That website again is starsinc.com for Valley Star Children and Family. See you at the job fair. Hey guys, Joe Thigh's been here to tell you something important about your health. Did you know your prostate starts out the size of a walnut, but as you age, it can grow to the size of a lemon? This can lead to more bathroom trips each day, waking up at night to go, even issues with intimacy. If your prostate's a lemon, call for a free bottle of Super Beta Prostate, the natural supplement I trust that supports a healthy, normal prostate size. Super Beta Prostate has the ingredients you need to promote a stronger urine flow and reduce waking up at night to go. You need a fast, easy way to promote healthy prostate size. So hurry and call for a free bottle of Super Beta Prostate because this amazing opportunity won't be around forever. And when it's gone, it's gone. Call right now and you'll learn how to get a free bottle of Super Beta Prostate. Pay only shipping and handling. Call 1-800-501-9763. That's 1-800-501-9763. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call 1-800-501-9763. That's 1-800-501-9763. 
According to the Health Insurance Association of America, approximately 30% of people ages 35 to 65 will suffer a disability for at least 90 days, and about 1 in 7 will become disabled for at least 5 years. If you are over 50 years old, then you need to know about the Caregiver Program. This program provides a cash payment to you if you are unable to perform two of the daily functions or a tax-free cash benefit may be paid to your family members should you become disabled. No medical licensing required. This is a Smart Money Tip brought to you by Smart Money Talk Radio, hosted by Jim and Lorraine Conaway. Please contact Conaway and Conaway at 888-266-2929 for your free consultation. Securities offered through J.P. Turner & Company, LLC, member SIPC. Investment advice and financial planning offered through J.P. Turner & Company, Capital Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. J.P. Turner & Company, LLC, and J.P. Turner & Company, Capital Management, LLC, are not affiliated with Conway & Conway, Incorporated. Hello, my name is Stephanie Georgia, and I'm the host of Real Food Empire. But for my day job, I also am an integrative family acupuncturist in San Bernardino County. I specialize in the best of what both Eastern and Western natural medicine has to offer. I use state-of-the-art blood and saliva tests along with the ancient art of traditional Chinese medicine to help you and your loved ones achieve health. Call 909-793-9355 and make that first appointment on your road to recovery. My office at the Wellness Loft is located at 112 East Olive Avenue near historic Old Town in Redlands off the 10 Freeway and the Orange Avenue exit. You can check me out at thewellnessloftonline.com or go to my personal website greenrx.org. I look forward to joining you on your road to recovery. Call 909-793-9355 today for special KCAA listener introductory consultation rates. I look forward to serving you and your family. So, you didn't like that opinion. Okay, give us another 15 minutes. This is the station that leaves no listener behind. AM 1050 KCAA. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. We're back talking about Black Hearts, uh, the uh, story written by Jim Frederick, uh, now out in your local bookstores. And we were talking a little bit before the break about what effect it has to have a crime like this exposed, even if, as in the case of the four individuals we were discussing, that committed this horrific act of multiple murders and rape in, in March of 2006, they were at least convicted. The system, you could argue, worked. On April 23rd, about 10 days ago, Jim, a man named Lawrence Hutchins III had a murder conviction overturned by a military appeals court. We don't need to go into all the details, but the incident allegedly involved dragging a 52-year-old man, an Iraqi civilian from Hamdania, out of his house, into a ditch, basically, where he was shot. Now, this is one of several problems the Marines have had recently in getting convictions in some very high-profile cases. When you talked to folks who were related to the victims in the case you write about in Blackheart, did they ever talk about, well, we worry that the justice that you give in America will not take into account that these were our brothers and our sisters because we are different from you? I mean, did you hear any of that? Oh, absolutely. They were convinced of it. They thought without a doubt that it was unjust that Stephen Green 
was not put to death, let alone the other three soldiers, because they routinely used the debating platform that if any Iraqi had committed, killed one of your soldiers, let alone defiled them with rape and burning the body, as they did with 14-year-old Abir, there's no question that that person would be executed. So that's, I mean, it's not even an opinion. I mean, that for them, it's, it's a foregone conclusion, and it's a fact that a... Iraqi life is not worth as much as an American life. When you look at the numbers, not only in this case of Hutchins, who I presume will be retried, but uh, eight Marines uh, basically had charge dropped after alleged uh, killings of 24 Iraqis after a roadside bombing. Frank Wittarich, a squad leader, is going to go on trial uh, for voluntary manslaughter in nine of those deaths. Uh, I mean, but, I mean, this stuff must sound to many of these people as much too little, much too late. And then when people are actually acquitted, particularly by military juries, another thing that's been seemingly endemic within the Marine Corps, at least, uh, did you hear anybody suggest anything, well, shall we say, that was su- surprising to you? Did anybody say to you, Listen, Jim Frederick. I mean, you're not you're not the enemy. Uh, all Americans aren't the enemy. Uh, was there anything that surprised you in these extraordinary interviews you had with with the victim's family, extended family? Well, yeah. Along those lines, I think that they were able to discern those differences because they had come to the United States to witness the Green Trial. And so I think that certainly the uncle of the family was very able to perceive and even said to me that, you know, he doesn't hate the American people and he doesn't even hate the American military. Uh, he had a great time in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, notwithstanding the fact that he was going to a very, of course. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a dramatic and emotional and wrenching trial about the murder of his own family. But be, that all being aside, he said that he enjoyed his time in the United States because he was very impressed with how nice all of the people were to him and all the people were to his, his family. And so that all being said, uh, what he was most disillusioned by was that he did perceive that there was an American justice system and an Iraqi justice system, or that there was a there was a weighing of a life that an American life um, was more important than an Iraqi life. During the trial, were there any people who protested against the fact that this trial was even occurring? Uh, did he, for example, have to come across protesters who were basically saying, "Your relative probably got what he deserved"? No, there None was if, if there was there was no protesting whatsoever, and if anything, the thing that was most surprising to me, who covered the trial all three or four weeks of it, was the the complete apathy, and that nobody knew it was happening, and nobody knew what the crime was, and no, he... No, none of the Iraqi family had to deal with that uh, whatsoever. Uh, Here, it is often said, um, war is hell. What's the line between accepting collateral damage if you're the commander-in-chief? You know that you're going to be doing bombing, and you you really hope, and I I think George Bush hoped, I think uh, uh, President Obama hopes, there's not going to be civilian casualties. They're targeting as well as they can, but at some part, of their mind, they know there will be what they would, would be told to call collateral damage. Many of us would just call innocent people killed. And killing somebody in a rage or in a planned way, like the five guys we've been talking about. Is there any, any way to say 
a war that doesn't care about civilian casualties at the level of the commander-in-chief, what the heck are we doing prosecuting people for going crazy under circumstances where they never got the proper kind of support to begin with? Well, I think it's a good thing that I'm not the commander-in-chief, that I don't have to pay those relative values of lives. I think that that being said, I think that has to figure into the calculus, and I do think that there is a big difference between an accidental death and a cold-blooded murder, especially when the person who has the power and the person who is carrying the weapon is a uniformed service member exactly. and a representative of you know, the truth, freedom, goodness of the United States of America. The burden is much higher on that person to actually be a force of honor and dignity and courage and integrity. And so when that person defiles the uniform, defiles what we as Americans like to think that we stand for, the tolerance has to be less than zero. I mean, it it has to be brutal and it has to be swift because the the standards are higher for us and for people in the military than it is for the insurgents. And it was a constant source of of frustration for somebody like Stephen Green that he didn't understand why the insurgents could play dirty and the American military couldn't. Why can't we just kill them all the way that the insurgents can? And he he was counseled repeatedly or tried to that, are you just not getting why our standards are higher? Right. But they are. Well, but, you know, I guess uh, to go back, I don't want to make too, this too political today, but, I mean, when these folks in the Middle East and when the insurgent websites and all the, uh, the extremist websites point out and say, look, our brothers are being tortured and George Bush and Dick Cheney think that that's necessary, they're no different than we are. I mean, all of that... Uh, accurate description combined with the fact of significant civilian casualties i mean i guess i i i agree with everything you said there's some human and legal difference that we have to recognize but in a conflict like this where anything seems to go at least some of the time i can slightly understand why somebody like a stephen green would say what the hell am i doing that's different from what everybody else is doing Well, I think that's what separates us from those without honor. I mean, I think that if you can't explain that to a soldier about why it matters at the very root of what the country stands for and thus what the uniform stands for, then you probably should get out of the Army before you commit an atrocity. Indeed. Uh, Stephen Green was appealing his conviction. What, What has happened with that? He basically said, look, there's a statute that allows civilian authorities to come after me. I think it's unconstitutional, and uh, I want a new trial back in the military. Is that what he was seriously arguing? Uh, I believe so, yeah. That, uh, is that over, that appeal? or uh, I don't think that the appeal has been concluded. I could be wrong because I haven't checked uh, up on that in the past day or two, but I think that the, the appeal is still pending. I'll tell you, this, this is a very hard book to read. It's a hard book to read because uh, it, it, I think, properly places guilt. You never, for example, suggest, even when you talk about the failure of the military itself to deal uh, kind of in a forward fashion with people like Stephen Green, you never, as you've just expressed again, say, well, that excuses or minimizes in any way the horrific conduct here. But uh, it is an extraordinarily well done and well researched book. And uh, 
But it, I think it's hard to read, and I'd like to think it's a book that's hard to read, whether you think the war in Iraq and its sister war in Afghanistan are great ideas or whether you think they're terrible ideas now being carried on by a second administration. Jim Frederick, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. The book is called Black Hearts, as books always do, a subtitle, One Platoon's Descent into Madness in Iraq's Triangle of Death. Again, whatever you think of this book, or whatever you think of the war, if you read these accounts of the detailed considerations made by these individuals before they committed these atrocities, you know, you ask yourself what it is to be human, what it is to be decent, and uh, maybe how easy it can be for some people to slip from one into the other. The book's Jim Frederick's Black Hearts, available now. I'm Barry Lynn. This is Culture Shocks, and we'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. I'm Brett Malik with this AM 1050 News Update. Two death penalty arson cases could take a dramatic turn at the polls next month. Raymond Euler and Ricky Lee Fowler were convicted of starting two of the Inland Empire's most destructive fires. Euler sits on death row for the Esperanza fire that killed five firefighters. Fowler is scheduled to hear the same penalty next month for starting the old fire. Voters will decide the fate of both men with Proposition 34 that could outlaw the death penalty. If Prop 34 passes, Euler's and Fowler's murder convictions would be tossed out. The convictions of Fowler, Euler, and more than 700 prisoners on death row would stand, but Proposition 34 would reduce their sentences to life prison terms. The toddler hit and killed by a family member's SUV in Riverside reportedly crawled under the vehicle. The accident happened around 2 p.m. Tuesday at a condominium complex on Grambling Way. Police say the 18-month-old boy crawled underneath a tire after he and his mother were dropped off by a relative. Investigators who were on the scene for nearly two hours says it appears to be a tragic accident. Here's the latest from Inland Empire News Radio. I'm Jim Dennis. The long presidential campaign finally comes down to the debates. And Wednesday night's opener is crucial for both Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Uh, it will be an important one. If there is one to watch, it's probably this one for a sense of who the candidates are and what they're about. UC Riverside political science professor Sean Bowler says something's bound to take the candidates by surprise. They'll be judged by how they improvise on the fly. The unscripted moments which often appear in the byplay. How important is this first uh, debate? Does it kind of set the tone for the others to follow? Yes, it does. I mean, in, in the, if you make a mistake, then you spend the other two debates trying to recover from that mistake. Two death penalty arson cases could take a dramatic turn at the polls next month. Raymond Euler and Ricky Lee Fowler were convicted of starting two of the Inland Empire's most destructive fires. Euler sits on death row for the Esperanza fire that killed five firefighters. Fowler is scheduled to hear the same penalty next month for starting the old fire. Now, voters will be deciding the fate of both men with Proposition 34 that could outlaw the death penalty. District Attorney Mike Ramos is an ardent supporter of capital punishment. To be reversed by this proposition would be tragic. If Prop 34 passes, Euler's and Fowler's penalties would be downgraded. 
all the hard work that went into this old fire case in 03 and the impact it had on our citizens and the death of five of our community members and then the hours of the investigation, the time and energy of, you know, our, our attorneys on both sides and then the, the citizen jurors who did an outstanding job and did the right thing. The convictions of Fowler, Euler and more than 700 prisoners on death row would stand. But Proposition 34 would reduce their sentences to life prison terms. Police in Riverside are putting together circumstances in the tragic death of a toddler Tuesday. Little boy managed to crawl from his child restraint seat after he and his mother got out of an SUV. As the driver pulled away, the child was struck and killed. Two elderly pedestrians have been killed pushing shopping carts across busy streets in Marino Valley and in Rancho Cucamonga. The Federal Highway Administration is redistributing $136 million in funding to California. That funding was originally allocated to other states, but was not spent. This is Inland Empire News Radio. From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Steve Norris. Overnight, clear skies, a low of 67. Going to be a hot one for Wednesday, a high 93 with sunny skies. Mostly clear in 63 Wednesday night. On Thursday, look for sunshine, afternoon high 88, and then dropping Thursday night to 62. Friday looks mostly sunny, your high 88 degrees, below Friday night 61. Then on Saturday, mostly sunny, afternoon high 86, below Saturday night 60. That's your weather forecast for this hour from the station that leaves no listener behind. NBC News Radio, AM 1050, KCAA. UC Riverside has gained preliminary accreditation for its planned four-year medical school. Tuesday's announcement by the Liaison Community on Medical Education paves the way for UCR to begin recruiting students for its opening class in August. Chancellor Timothy White hailed the decision as, quote, momentous, unquote. A celebration is planned for Monday. You're up to date. I'm Brett Malik on the Inland Talk Express in your radio home for University of Redlands Bulldogs football. AM 1050 and There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sounds. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Butch Paul, the first day of October 2012. Welcome to a brand new month. This will fly by, I'm sure, also. But anyway, welcome to broadcast wherever you are tonight. We're glad you're with us, and I sincerely do mean that. I wish y'all could be with me here with me this past Saturday as I drove to church across Point Mountain over to Phil Hudock's house. And you could have seen the beautiful, beautiful, oh, gorgeous sights of the, of the fall collars here in the mountains of West Virginia. Uh, it just, it's just so breathtaking. I wish y'all come in there with me to visit, to see that. I would love to show y'all the places I've seen since I was a little boy growing up. And every year I appreciate our God's creation even more. And I do mean that. Anyway, don't forget to be writing to us about... A case of food. 
or free Berkey uh, water filter. Starting this month, we give a Berkey away every month also, along with a, with a, with a case of food. And we'll, gi- we'll give you any Berkey you want, Crown, Royal, whatever you want, Big Berkey, whatever you like. You get your choice. Just mention your letter which one you want. If not, we'll send you a Crown.